Well, good morning. Did someone just whistle? Was that my wife? I hope that was my wife. If that wasn't my wife, um, we have prayer teams at the end for you. And if it was my wife, thank you. All right. Well, welcome today again to River Valley Church. Um, I've, sorry, I'm just kind of thrown off by that. I don't know, I don't know what to say. We're glad that you're here, and uh, we are a whistling church. Um, I'm Sean. I'm the associate campus pastor here at the Crosstown campus. Uh, today, we're, we're finishing up our series on Christmas, on joy. And today, I'm preaching at the 9 a.m. Uh, pastor Drake is preaching at the 11 a.m., so you should come back and hear him. And then come back tonight to hear Clinton and Portia uh, preach at the 5 p.m., uh, and it's going to be awesome. We're all preaching on the same topic, but uh, we all have different personalities, and so it's just going to be communicated a little bit differently. Uh, but we're all talking um, on joy, the fact that joy isn't seasonal. Now, I, I love the holidays. I really do. I love the holidays. I love Christmas parties. I love uh, family parties for the most part. Um, I love giving gifts, receiving gifts, uh, occasionally a little bit of a downtime. And I absolutely love it. But again, you know what? It's over so quickly. I can't believe that Christmas has already come and gone. Uh, you know, we go from singing, it's the most wonderful time of the year, enjoy to the world, to then singing Faith Hills, Where Are You Christmas? <laughs> Where, why can't I find you? And why have you gone away? Now I got to ask you something. Uh, and be honest, how many, it's four days after Christmas, okay? Just so you know, how many have already put their Christmas trees down and boxed up? Okay, there's like 10 of you. We have, again, we have prayer teams for you at the end of the service. My wife decided on Friday, two days after Christmas, that we were going to take down our Christmas decor. And I got to be honest, I was a little bit sad because I actually like the Christmas season. I like our Christmas tree. I like sitting in our living room at night when it's dark and just the glow of the Christmas tree lighting up our living room and I can sit in peace and quiet after our kids go to bed. And I absolutely love it. But we were, we were putting it down and, and I'm asking, okay, where do, where do these decorations go and where do these decorations go and what bin do these go in? And all of a sudden I could just feel my joy and my happiness just kind of go away. And so I just said, okay, you know what? You're stealing my joy, Kristen. So which... <laughs> Which box should I put this in? Because I want to make sure that I can find it again in 2020 when the Christmas season comes back out. Um, but so many of us, we experience the very same thing. We, we have a joy during the holidays, and then after it's over, it's quickly gone. Or maybe it's the reality of season that uh, we're in, the, the reality that uh, life kind of hits you after the holidays. Um, you know, we start thinking, oh man, 2019 is in three days already. I can't believe it's already, or 2020 is in three days. 2019 is already over. I can't believe that. I'm, I don't know what to do with myself. I, 20, 2019, let's, let's hold, hold a funeral for it. You know, I don't, I don't know. It's that. Or sometimes uh, we complain, oh man, January is right around the corner. January is like the coldest month of the year. I can't believe it. I hate January. It's dark. It's cold. And did you see... The, the, the farmer's almanac forecast for January this year, they said it's going to be a roller coaster of temperatures up and down. And they even predicted a huge snowstorm at the end of January. Kristen, it's Packer bags. We're moving to the south. <laughs> or maybe you're like me and you look at your bank account and you realize, man, we spent a lot of money on our kids for Christmas. 
Man, joy, my joy is just gone. Uh, do you know, there's a psychologist, Dr. Irina Malentijevich, says that up to 25% of us experience post-holiday depression or some sort of depression that can creep up on us even days after the holidays are over. But I want to say this, is that in spite of all this, in spite of uh, the fact that we might be sad after the holidays, I just want to remind us today that our joy is not dependent on a holiday. Our joy is not dependent on a certain season. Our joy can continue, yes, with celebrating the birth of Jesus, but continuing on through his life and his death on the cross, and that we should be joyful all year round. Why? Because Jesus is incredible. He's incredible, and he's done incredible things in our life. Now, there is a difference between joy and happiness, okay? So, I'm talking joy today, not happiness. Happiness is external. It's based on situations, events, uh, people, places, and things. You know, we're happy when we get a raise. We're happy when we lose 10 pounds. We're happy when we get to spend time with friends. But joy doesn't necessarily happen to us. Joy is a choice. It can be chosen even when happiness is impossible. For instance, when we face loneliness, we can still be joyful. When we face an illness, we can be joyful. When we face uh, a death or unemployment or even persecution, we can still be joyful because it is a choice. And there's so many different terms in the Bible that joy is used to express uh, joy. It could be expressed as gladness, to be bright, to shine, to rejoice. The light of righteous rejoices, to be glad, to delight, to spring up, to leap, to exalt, shouting, to be excited, or to rejoice exceedingly. These are all different terms that can be used in the Bible to express the fact that we can have joy regardless of what season we're in. Today I'm going to look at uh, really just one chapter, Philippians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles or your phones, you can open up to Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to read a couple of verses. But right now, we're just going to read Philippians 4.4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It's interesting that Paul repeats himself in this command here. Like, there's no other, there's no other command like this in the Bible where the author would repeat himself back to back. I mean, could you imagine if Moses, when he was writing the Ten Commandments, he was writing them on the, the stone. And he says, Thou shalt not steal. I want to get say, don't steal, <laughs> right? Or thou shalt not kill. And I get to say, don't kill. Or how about this one? Um, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Oh, and don't forget, keep it holy because it's the Sabbath and don't forget about it. I mean, the people, Moses would have been like, man, this is a lot to etch into a stone. That's just, <laughs> I need to get a bigger stone. But it, Paul repeats himself. And he, does, he doesn't just repeat himself, but this is the 11th time within this letter that he talks about joy or rejoicing. And so it's a common theme throughout this entire book, this entire letter to the church of Philippi. And so we ask ourselves, why is Paul so chipper? Why is he so happy? Is he happy because the church of Philippi is perfect and there's nothing going on and everyone's just living their best life? Or is there other things going on? Well, let's take a look. Let's back up a little bit. Philippians 2, verse, or 4, verses 2 and 3. Paul writes this, I implore you, Euodia, and I implore you, Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, these, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So here's what we know. We know that Euodia and Syntyche, 
they had some kind of quarrel. So not everything was peachy. Not everything was great. Not everything was perfect in this church. But yet Paul was joyful. And he's, and he's telling them, rejoice in, in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, a couple of interesting things about this. Uh, we don't know why, uh, why they were having some quarrel. It could, it could have been something very big. They could have been slandering one, each other, one another. Or it could have been Yodia. Uh, decided that she was going to borrow an outfit from Sintiki and spilled some wine on it and the stain didn't come out. And now there's a quarrel among them. Okay, we don't really know exactly what happened. But what we do know is that this, is that Paul was just trying to say, hey, guys, guys, listen, there's something so much greater than, what, than your little argument right here. Let's not focus on this. Let's focus on Jesus and what he's done because we're trying to build a church here in Philippi. So, your little, your little argument, just put it, put it to the side. Kind of, you know, in a way, get over it. Um, and that's what he says. He, he says, simply be of the same mind. Let's get back to the common ground of what really, truly is important. Yes, I understand you've got a stain, okay? We can get you a new outfit. But let's be of the same mind and let's truly focus on what matters. Now, I got to be honest. Do you know how easy it would be? For us as pastors, uh, when you guys come into our offices and there's a little quarrel among you, if we could just say, hey, you know what? Can you guys just be of the same mind? <laughs> Your little argument of whether you should go to Disney World or Disneyland, there's, there's, bigger, there's bigger fish that we need to fry. Okay, let's, uh, let's just be of the same mind and go back home and kind of rethink this and Maybe put our focus on Jesus. Can we do that for a little bit? Let's just be of the same mind. Okay, so Paul, why, why, again, why is, he, why is he so chipper? Maybe, maybe it was his circumstances. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe Paul was good. Well, it wasn't, and I'll, and I'll get to that in a second. His joy wasn't based on some kind of sunny optimism or positive mental attitude. Um, and not that those things are bad. We should be optimistic, but his joy was based on the confidence that God was in control regardless of the situation. And his joy truly was in Jesus and Jesus alone. Because when Paul's writing this, do you understand that Paul is in prison and he's beaten and he's chained up, but yet he has joy and he's telling this church, be joyful, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He's in prison. The, the, the account of it is in Acts 16. The story is Paul and Silas are going around preaching the gospel and there's this annoying little fortune teller, uh, crazy little fortune teller lady, because how many know that fortune teller ladies are all a little bit crazy, right? And the Bible says that Paul got annoyed with her because she was, she was possessed by an evil spirit. And so Paul, annoyed by this lady, turns to her and says, in the name of Jesus, I command the spirit to come out. Well, the spirit comes out well, the people that own this lady uh, is now mad because that's their profit. That's how they make money is because she's fortune telling. And so there's this whole uh, uproar and they get thrown into prison. And this is where we pick it up in Acts 16. It says, then the multitude rose up against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them and they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. 
So Paul's already annoyed, okay? If that's me, when I, when I get annoyed and when I get a little bit crabby, I just get really sarcastic, okay? Some of you, if you've traveled with me uh, on a global team and I'm tired, I just get sarcastic, okay? I'm just gonna let you know. So Thea, when you come with me in a couple of weeks, if I get sarcastic, it just means that I'm really tired. So I would be really sarcastic if I'm annoyed. Um, so he's already annoyed, he's been beaten, he's in chained, he's in the slammer. And so he just says, well, since I'm here, I guess I'll just write a letter to the church of Philippi and I'll just tell them to be joyful because I'm joyful. Hmm, all right. What else happens here? At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. They're going through all this and yet they decide, hey, we don't really care if we've been beaten. We don't really care if we've been in shackles. We don't really care if we're in prison. We're still gonna praise God. Why? Because he is good to us and because he sits on the throne of heaven. And we're gonna sing joyful to him. Joyful songs of praise to him. Why? Because he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Now, if you read the rest of the story, what happens is that the jailer and his family get saved and baptized and then they go have dinner together. Why? Because they're joyful regardless of the circumstance that they're in. I want to pick back up in Philippians chapter four, verse five. Paul also writes this then. It says, let your gentleness be known to all men for the Lord is at hand. Gentleness could be, could be uh, translated as patience, as a softness, as a patient mind or mildness. You know, the word describes the heart of a person who will truly let the Lord fight his battles who truly understands Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. It describes a person who is truly free to let go of his anxieties and all the things that cause him stress because he knows that the Lord will take up his cause. So he's saying, so he's telling this church, okay, be of the same mind, rejoice in the Lord always, and be gentle. Let's not stress about it. So I want to ask you a question. What are you known for? Are you known for someone who is rejoicing and you're joyful and yet you can remain calm even if things don't necessarily go your way? Can you remain gentle if things aren't always perfect? Can you remain uh, with that kind of spirit about you? Or are you anxious and do you get fidgety and do you get angry? How do you respond in certain situations. I, re I read this the other day. Um, a lot of us, we can get on a plane and we can be calm. We get on a plane and we kind of forget about where we're going. Not where, we don't forget about where we're going, but we, can just, we don't have to worry about it because we just know the plane is gonna get us from point A to point B. And so we can pick up a book, we could watch a movie, maybe we could catch a few minutes of sleep on a plane and we can just kind of relax. But most of us don't know the pilot, right? You could get on a bus. I know many people take the bus to and from work. You get on a bus, maybe you throw on a, a podcast, maybe you throw on some worship music, maybe you uh, are trying to crank out some emails on your way to and from work. And you're not worried about the bus getting you from A to B. You don't know the bus driver. 
My favorite one is maybe you're on a cruise ship and you're going to relax and you don't have to worry about getting from point A to B. I mean, maybe you, you pay the $30 for internet for one day so you can check out the weather and decide, is it going to be 88 degrees today in the Bahamas or is it only going to be 87? <laughs> but there's a reality. You get on a cruise ship and you relax, but you don't know the captain. So why is it that we can't relax in life? Don't we understand that God is in control? Philippians 4, 6, next verse. Paul writes this then, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Let your requests be made known to God. Now, there's a lot of us in here uh, that we might be in a company where we have people that work for us. Uh, maybe it's even on a serving team. Maybe it's uh, in the home. Uh, you have little kids. Uh, maybe it's in a, in, a, in a school place, wherever it may be. We are a leader and there's people that report to us or maybe you're in a team and you're trying to delegate certain responsibilities. Now, when you delegate a certain responsibilities, I get it. There are times where you delegate something and you're nervous because you're not sure if it's going to get done. It's just, it happens. Now, on another side, you might delegate something and you might delegate it to a certain individual and you can just let it go and not have to worry about it because you know that they're going to get it done. I, I do this at my... I mean, think about, let me say it this way. If I ask my six and three-year-old daughters and I tell them, hey, Kylie and Blakely, I'm going to go out and shovel the driveway because there's snow. I'm going to go mow the lawn. Can you guys just clean up this, this uh, living room and uh, put your toys away? That'd be great. How many know my confidence isn't really high that it's going to get done? Okay. Because I go outside, I come back in. And those toys might be put away, but a whole slew of other toys are out. And I say, Kylie, I thought I asked you to put your toys away. Well, we did, Daddy, but now we decided we want to do makeup. And so we grab Mommy's makeup and all the dresses that we have, and we're going to do a makeup party. Do you want to join us? No. Uh, <laughs> but if I ask my wife, and she says yes, and I ask her, to, hey, can you help tidy up a little bit? We have people coming over. I don't have to really worry about it because I know that it's going to get done. Why is that? Because it's someone who has proven themselves to be trustworthy that when I delegate something to them, when I empower them, when I ask them to do something, they're going to take care of it. Shouldn't that not be the same thing when we present our requests to God? I mean, how silly is it that when we get anxious, when we start worrying, when we start thinking about all the different uh, the things that are going on in our lives. And we say, God, I'm, I'm nervous about this. What do I do? We present it to God. We say, God, why don't you just, I need your help with this. Okay, good. I presented it to God. Oh man, I'm starting to worry again. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Kind of a little bit silly, isn't it? I mean, has God not proven himself to you over and over again? Yeah. Has he not? And, if he, and maybe he hasn't. Maybe he hasn't. Maybe you haven't allowed him to. But I promise you, there, there's hundreds of people in this room that could tell you God has always been faithful. God has always been faithful. So present your request to God. Be anxious for nothing. Let your gentleness be known to all men and rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. 
You know, we have a lot of reasons to rejoice. We do. Even, even in the midst of, of trials and struggles, uh, we have a ton, ton of reasons to rejoice. Um, and I know some of us in here, uh, you're going through a lot of tough times right now. And I don't, um, I don't want to, I don't want to invalidate what you're going through. I don't want to minimize the stress, the pain, the hurt, uh, the discomfort that some of you guys might be facing right now. I, I, I really don't. Um, because those things are real and they're real to you. But I do know this is that even in the midst of what you're going through, we still have reasons to be joyful. We still have reasons because of what Jesus has done on the cross. I mean, I, wanna, I just want to read a, a list of things. Jesus, he paid the penalty for our sins. We can rejoice just because of that. But it doesn't stop there. The Bible says that it tossed our sin as far as the east is from the west. And he remembers our sins no more. He keeps no record of wrong. God has set you free. He has adopted you as a son or a daughter of Christ. You understand that when he has adopted you as a son and daughter of God, when you, when you receive Christ, you are adopted into the family. That means that you have access to every spiritual blessing that Jesus Christ himself had. It's made available to you. That you are joint heirs with Christ. That his promises are true and his promises are always answered with a yes and amen. That he is for you, that he loves you, that he believes in you, that he cares about your every detail, he hears your every cry, and the Holy that he sent his Holy Spirit to comfort you. Our Heavenly Father is a good Father. He has never once condemned you. And we can boldly approach him with a confidence And he was given the name above every other name. And that name is Jesus. And at that sound of his name, darkness trembles, darkness flees. And it's a reason we sang this morning, hallelujah. And he shall reign forever and ever. Regardless of what your situation is going through, God shall reign. Regardless of if I'm in prison, Jesus, you shall reign forever and ever. Regardless of the sickness that I have, Jesus, you reign forever and ever. God, regardless of whatever pain I'm going through, whatever strife I'm going through, whatever my marriage is that, God, you reign forever and ever. And God, I will rejoice in you forever because you sit on the throne of grace. God, you sit at the right hand of the Father and I will choose to praise you. He's greater. Whatever stress you're under, God is greater. He's greater. And he's the reason that we have joy. And he's the reason that we shouldn't just be joyful during the holidays. But we must be joyful throughout every season, throughout every situation, and allow others to share in that simple joy. Show your joy to others. Show it. There's a book I read. Actually, Marty gave me the book. It's called The Insanity of God. Yes, it's kind of a weird title, Insanity of God. It's a, it's a book by Nick Ripkin, who's a missionary, and he just has a bunch of incredible life stories. He met this guy named Dimitri, who was in a communist country and was imprisoned. He was imprisoned for 17 years. And Dimitri loved Jesus. And every time that he could find a piece of paper, he would, he would hide it 
and he would bring it back to his jail cell and he would just write Bible verses. Any kind of Bible verse, any kind of Bible story that he could remember, he would write it on a piece of paper and he would just stick it on his wet, cold jail cell wall and he would just stick it up there to remember what God has done in his life. For 17 years, he did this. For 17 years, every morning he woke up, he would sing praises to God with 1,500 other inmates of the country's worst criminals who didn't know Jesus, he would just sit there and he would sing out to Jesus because Jesus was so good to him. And he would get beaten for it by the jailers. He would get, he would get mocked and he would get jeered by the 1,500 inmates who would hear him sing praises every single morning. He would get food thrown at him. He would get human waste thrown at him as he's in prison, but that never once stopped him from lifting up the name of Jesus. It came to the point where the, the jailers, the guards got so frustrated, they said to God, we have to break this guy. We can't handle it anymore. He's always singing praises. He's always stealing, he's always stealing paper, finding paper, and he's writing the Bible. We can't, we can't allow this to happen. So they devised a plan to make Dimitri believe that his wife was killed. And that broke him, that it actually worked for a moment. It broke him. Dimitri finally gave in. He said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I've been in here for 17 years. My wife is dead. What am I, what am I living for now? Whatever paper you want me to sign, I'll denounce Jesus and just let me go. I don't want to do this anymore. So the jailers went away that night and said, okay, we'll bring the papers in the morning. You can sign them and we'll release you. Well, that night he began to cry out to God and said, God, how could you let this happen to me? How could you do this to me? I've been serving you faithfully for all my life and 17 years I've been in here and I'm still doing this. And this is, this is what happens. Well, by the power of God through the Holy Spirit, he began, the, the Holy Spirit showed him and, uh, and allowed him to hear the voice of his wife, the voice of his children and the voice of of his brother that were all praying for him. And they began to have this confidence. They began this peace that surpasses all understanding that kind of overwhelmed him. And instead of walking defeated, he began to, to walk upright and to walk with the confidence. And that next morning when the jailers came back and they said, all right, here are your papers, Dimitri, sign them and we'll let you go. He said, nope, I'm not signing it. Why? Because my wife is still alive. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I know that my wife is alive. I know that my kids are alive. I know that my brother's alive. And more importantly, I know that they are still serving Jesus. So you can keep me locked up as long as you want. A couple days later, he got the greatest Christmas present he could ever ask for. It was a full sheet of paper out on the courtyard. So he quickly folded it up, put it inside of his his garment and went back to his jail cell. And for the next two hours, he just wrote Bible verses and Bible stories and songs. And he decided that, man, this is awesome. I'm just going to spend a couple hours writing this. And so he did it. He stuck it up on his wall again and he knew he was going to get found out and he did. And so the jailer said, you know what? We've had enough of you. You see that courtyard out there? 
You see those posts out there? In 10 minutes, you're going to be chained to those posts. And in 15 minutes, you're going to die because of your actions here in this prison. We can't handle you anymore. So they drag him down. And before they could get to the courtyard, before they get to the courtyard, there's 1,500 inmates who start singing the same song that Dimitri sang for 15 to 17 years in that prison. Worst criminals ever. And they start lifting up the name of Jesus. And they start praising him. Those same criminals that were throwing human waste at him, those same criminals that were throwing uh, food at him and mocking him, they decide, you know what? We're gonna lift up the name of Jesus because this guy, there's something different about him. And so the jailer stepped back and I said, what, who are you? What is going on? And Dimitri just said, look, my name's Dimitri and I'm the son of the living God and his name is Jesus. I have to think of if I was in that situation, what would I do? And only hearing that story and reading it, I hope that I would have the same response as Dimitri. I would hope that I have the same response that regardless of what season I'm in, regardless of uh, what I'm going through, I pray that I can just have the joy of the Lord always and allow it to affect other people, allow it to inspire other people. And maybe you're in here this morning and you already have had a couple of bad days after Christmas. Or maybe you look at past years and you say, yeah, I, I, am, I have been joyful during the holidays. But then I get crabby during the springtime because the snow melts and it gets all ugly. Or I get, I get crabby because my sports team didn't do as well as I wanted them to. Whatever it may be, can I encourage us today that throughout the rest of this year, but into 2020 and throughout 2020, can we remember what God has done in our life? And can we remember to keep the joy that Jesus has given us? Can we be joyful in every season? And so I wanna pray for us as we close up. I wanna pray that, that in 2020, we don't, let, we don't pack up joy with the rest of our Christmas decor but we keep joy in our life because joy is not seasonal. Joy is not for a moment. Joy is forever because Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he reigns in our lives. So if you're in this place and you, would, you can close your eyes, bow your heads. If you would just say, you know what? I want to be joyful or I need more joy in here. If that's you, I just... I want to ask that you raise your hand because I just want to pray. I want to pray for you. And there's hands going up all over. My hands are up. I want to be joyful. I want to, when I get into a, a, a mode of a, a bad season or I'm tired or I'm angry, I want to remember the things that God has done in my life and I want to praise him forever. So God, I thank you for every person in here God, every person that believes in you, yes, we go through seasons. Yes, we have roller coasters of emotions. But God, I pray that in 2020, 
God, that we will remember continually what you have done on the cross. And God, would we have a confidence to know that regardless of what season we're in, God, regardless of what is going on, regardless of our circumstances, God, that you are in control and we will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, we will rejoice because you are amazing. And we pray this in your mighty awesome name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you guys, Pastor Joey.